have the privilege of working with this guy um, 24-7. We all do on staff and it's just a, an honour to have him on staff. It's an honour to have him here at The Rock and serving you and us. And um, how long have you been with us now, mate? Three years? Roughly? And so, um, and Clay's responsible for, for putting on tonight and, and, and the food and stuff. So let's just thank him for what we're about to partake as well. Of course, that was just an excuse for me to have roast pork tonight. So thanks for making that possible. <laughs> roast lamb next week. Love this job. Uh, good evening and uh, happy World Cup to you all. Not all of you, not three of you at least. <laughs> My experience has been that New Zealand is not a particularly religious nation as far as nations go, um, except once every four years, Kiwis get quite religious and uh, the stadium is our temple. The TV is our shrine, our family shrine. And Kiwis start to pray around World Cup. People who weren't, you know, God botherers start bothering them big time. Oh, please, Lord, may Dan Carter recover miraculously. Please, Lord, may we not have Wayne Barnes riffing our game. Please, Lord, not Stephen Donald. God, and pray that. So we need to pray for him tonight. Yeah, um, otherwise not particularly religious people, uh, at this time, every four years, start to exhibit some of the things that you would normally associate with religion. And can we take it quite seriously? Now, I'm speaking in generalisms uh, tonight. Um, uh, not everyone's a big fan of footy, though you turned up tonight to our Rugby World Cup service, so um, most of you, I'm sure, have some appreciation for the game. So maybe you're not as passionate as I am, but um, I have historically been quite passionate about, about footy. Um, so it does pain me to say this, that uh, it really is just a game. Oh, believe it, believe it. <laughs> it's just a game. It's a game that I started playing when I was a little kid, and I played it for 18 years, and I love watching it still. But um, it's a game nonetheless. And when it, boils, when it all boils down, the reality is that this rugby game tonight and every other one that will ever be played... Um, have no eternal consequence whatsoever. Some people say it's the game played in heaven, so maybe, maybe there is, but, but we, um, a lot of us make a very big deal of something which in the big scheme of things matters nothing at all. And if it's not rugby, it'll be something else. There is a prize that our nation has coveted since 1991. A little gold cup forged in honour of a little schoolboy who picked up a soccer ball and ran with it. What a genius. You know, our, our government and other private investors have poured $1.2 billion 
into bringing the World Cup here and, and hosting it. It's billion with a B. It's a lot of money, right? There's nothing wrong with rugby. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan, but it's healthy to have some perspective on it too, don't you think? Four years ago, I was uh, away on a camp with 80 young people. Uh, and it was, uh, it was actually 50, um, uh, four years ago and one week. It was quarterfinal week. Now, I was away at camp with, with my young people, and uh, I had it all planned out. It was going to be awesome. We'd get up, we'd watch the game being played in Cardiff, and we'd watch it together, and we'd be stoked, it'd be awesome, and then we'd uh, go have our last meeting of camp, our last session. People would be fired up, and we just want to funnel their energy into a very powerful service so we could leave there really fired up to get on with what God had for us. sure some of you can remember that fateful morning. Uh, Wayne Barnes wouldn't give us a freaking penalty. Camped out 10 minutes on that line. We couldn't get the penalty and the All Blacks lost by two points. To say that losing the game uh, was a dampener on our uh, last session of camp, it's a little bit of an understatement. Uh, there were young men crying. Do you remember? Actually sobbing. Like, <laughs> it's not coming down. Really, really upset that we lost the rugby game. And um, I didn't, I wasn't, it was not snot coming out of my face, but, but I, I have to admit that um, I was pretty gutted. I built, built myself up. This was going to be awesome. We'd get rid of the frogs. And then we'd get into the real part of the competition. It was going to be awesome. This was our year. So I built myself up. So I was quite excited. Then we lost. You know, was, oh, I couldn't believe that the Aussies went down to the palms, but we lost, man. And I had to walk out of that room, and I had to go, and I had to preach, and preach a full-on message full of love, full of faith, full of hope, full of power to send our young people out to go out and make a difference in the world. And I'm walking back to, to the meeting hall, and I'm, I'm struggling to put one foot in front of the other. There's like this hollow feeling inside. Um, and some of you might be going, oh, click, get a grip. But back then, this was a very big deal to me. And it was, it was then that I, um, as I was trying to work out how I was going to go in there and try to save this camp, that I, I had a personal revelation. <laughs> Clay... A rugby game 19,000 kilometres away is now interfering with God, God's plan for your life and God's plan for these kids. This weekend was ordained. God was going to meet with some of his children. He's going to do something very special in their lives. And his plan was to use you to, to be involved in that. He was going to use you to speak words of life and power. What am I doing? I'm about to throw this away. Is he going to have to find someone else? Because of a rugby game 19,000 kilometres away. Get a grip, mate. How could this game that you're not playing in... There was a time when I thought I could have been, but I was, you know, delusional. I'm not even playing in this game. How can it be ruining my life right now? So I had like this 
moment of clarity there and realised that I needed to suck it up, I needed to get on with the job at hand and get on with following the plan that God had for me. And I needed to think about what was important in my life because somehow the game had got so important for me that I lost all perspective on everything else, stuff that really does matter. Sometimes we lose perspective on what's really important in life and we get consumed with things which are of really little importance, really little significance. And it's difficult because these things do seem really important to us. And uh, it can be worse than it is here. People talk about Kiwis being rugby mad, but you should look at football at various countries around the world. People just go crazy. This guy goes crazy. And it's not just sports, it's all kinds of things. Fashion, celebrity. People just get sucked into this and it becomes their world. And it's not even their world, they're looking at it from the outside. So yes, obviously I want New Zealand to win the World Cup. But I'd rather New Zealand won awards in child literacy and numeracy or cleaned up our shocking domestic violence record. Do you know the... Do you know why I really, more than any other reason, want the All Blacks to win tonight? Our national shame is that if the All Blacks lose tonight, the police will have the greatest number of domestic violence calls out tonight than they've had all year. Possibly, given the magnitude of the game, all decade. If we lose the game tonight, men are going to beat their wives. What is wrong with us? So yeah, it'd be good if the blacks won. You may well be upset if the All Blacks lose the World Cup, and I'm not speaking prophetically right now. But the bigger issue for us is not if we lose the cup, but whether we lose out on what God has for us, because he has a real prize for us. Here's the story of a man who fought the right, who found the right balance between his footy and his faith. This is the story of South Africa's Pierre Spies. I was thinking to myself, God, what is happening? 
Blood concept. I mean, God, he wants to judge you. We're on our way to the World Cup. The highlight of our career. And I'm walking in your ways, God. I live a healthy life. I look after my body. And I train hard. And I don't use illegal substances. And immediately I knew God was in control. I didn't know exactly how. But his word says he has a plan for our future and that we've been healed by his wounds. Walking in faith was what I did now. I wrote on a big poster and I said, Heal in Jesus' name. But I made a decision to praise God, even if I stay sick or get healed, because I know God's plan is bigger than mine, and I had to submit to his will. And always in my car, on the way to the hospital, I put on praise and worship music, and I screamed, and I praised God with a loud voice, knowing that whether these lungs are sick or if they're healthy, I'm going to praise God and I'm going to keep on, for He is good. After the six months period of medication, after a lot of trials and tests and tough times in the media, a miracle happened. And God healed me. Doctors said it was impossible. I would never play again. And most people with blood clots never get off the medicine. But God is moved by faith and not by world systems. And I put my faith in God. And He did a great work in me. And He can do the same for you if you put your faith in Him. Just keep on keeping on and God will come through for you. May God bless you. Some might scoff at the suggestion that God healed Pierre. You could argue that it was the medicine that healed him, though his doctors didn't think so. But the fact is we live in a powerful spiritual realm, just as real, if not more so, than the physical one that we can see and touch. But for most people, it seems, living in New Zealand, the spirit of this age has blinded us to see what is really there. The spiritual world that is powerful and have an amazing impact on our lives. And so, to our minds, miracles are just myths. They're fairy tales and legends, and it's nonsense. That is unless we've had a touch of the supernatural ourselves. So you might be quite surprised to learn that people all over the world even in this room, are experiencing touches of God's supernatural power all the time, every day. Not sure what I mean by a miracle. Here's a clip from a woman called Heidi Baker who's working amongst the poor in Mozambique. Shut our school down, 
put us in quarantine. 85 of our kids were in the hospital. It was terrible. And our clinic was gone, done in. Didn't matter what we spent on it, it was closed. And I went to the cholera uh, hospital with Supreza. And we walked in there, it was a miracle because no one's allowed in there. And we just walked right in. We walked right in and they said, Welcome, Mom. And these kids would throw up on me, the pastors vomiting and defecating on me. They're just sick, their eyes are sunken back, their cheeks are in. And they just said, This is the place they come to die. And I said, No, 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 they're not going to die. And they're not going to keep our clinic closed. And they're not keeping our center closed. And I pray, and I pray, because we already lost one center. So this was number two. So my heart just like pounding. I was no, 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 in Jesus' name, no. And we went, prayed, and prayed, prayed. I read the Bible, I preached, I held everybody. Every single person that wasn't from our center got saved. And then, day two, they started getting healed. Day three, more. Day four, we cleared out the entire hospital. Not one person was left sick. Every single person was healed. 100% healed. The doctor said, your God is God. I want to work for you. Her name is Dr. Joanna. She's now the doctor of our clinic. She's the one who pushed through all the paperwork with the government. And the beginning of the eighth year in Mozambique, we got our license. That really happened. Jesus healed people in the Bible and he is healing people now. Though there is a tendency in our, in our Western brain to think, no, that can't be true. That just was made up. Or maybe it was just a coincidence that all 85 cholera-stricken children within a few days were all amazingly healed. It's amazing how many coincidences happen to Christians. Christians must be the luckiest people on the planet because lucky stuff like that happens all the time. It's weird. My mum's quite lucky. These stories are just imprinted on my brain and they've shaped who I am as a person now. I remember, and some of you have heard these stories before, but I just love telling them every time. I remember as a kid, maybe I was eight years old, nine years old, and, and uh, my parents um, weren't living together, and there wasn't a lot of money in the home, and there were some, some days when there wasn't really any food in the home, and there was one morning when there was no food at all, and mum didn't know what she was going to give us for breakfast tomorrow, because there was nothing, and there was no money to go buy anything. And um, it's one of the sickest things you can hear, but, um, but my mum crying herself to sleep, not knowing what she was going to feed her kids and feeling like a failure as a mum. And so she cried and she prayed. And she just prayed, God, please, something, please bring me something. And she didn't call anyone. She just cried and, and prayed. And that just, oh, I just felt miserable and horrible for mum. And I was thinking, man, I could go without breakfast. They'll be all right. But I was up first the next day. I was up first in the morning. And so it was me who found two bags of groceries on the veranda. 
outside. It's pretty lucky, right? I remember, uh, and that happened more than once. I remember another time we were driving back from my grandparents who lived um, in the sticks way, way north of Auckland. And, um, and mum, bless her heart, had uh, not kept an eye on the petrol gauge. So we were, um, we were maybe 30 k's away still from Auckland when uh, mum saw the petrol light on and realised, oh my goodness, it's you know, 11 o'clock at night, it's pitch black, got a car full of little kids and there's no petrol. Uh, oh. So she just prayed. She prayed out loud. Lord, you'll get us home, won't you? Thank you. And yeah, he did. That non, that no petrol at all drove us all the 30Ks home and the, uh, the car stopped, sputtered at the bottom of our driveway. That's where it stopped. It's pretty lucky, right? A mate of mine uh, had a building business that went bust in the recession and it left him with personal debt of $200,000. He's, yeah, he's a guy my age. It's a lot of debt to be left with and he had no other option uh, but to declare bankruptcy and that would just ruin him for the, the next however many years it is before he can look at doing anything else with his life. But um, he's a man of faith and so he took it to God first and said, Lord, this is what's on my plate. I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy or, um, or you can just do something. And uh, what do you know? Uh, God did something. Uh, a bank um, account manager was chasing him. And uh, of course my friend was avoiding him because he didn't want to deal with the harsh reality of what his debt was turning into. And so he was dodging calls for a couple of weeks. And finally the, the account manager got hold of him and said, Oh, oh sir, sir, um, yeah, I've been really trying to get hold of you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. What's the damage? And the guy's like, well, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting story, but um, the news I have for you is that the bank has written off your debt. And my mate's like, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. That doesn't actually ever happen. But the bank has decided to write off your entire debt. That's it. You're debt-free. Good luck with your life, and hopefully the next business goes better. Thanks. My first question was, mate, what bank are you work with? <laughs> I'm transferring my stuff to them tomorrow. That never happens. Who else knows stories like that? That's the interesting thing. Lots of hands going up because this stuff does happen to people of faith. Three years ago, I quit my job. Had a good job. Loved my job. I quit my job because I believe to the core of me that that's what God wanted me to do. And when you've spent any time with him and seen what he can do in your life, you know that you want to follow what he has in store for you. So I quit my job. And I said, okay, what next? Unfortunately, God doesn't always show you the plan before he gets you to to step forward into it. So I had to quit before I could see what was next. That was quite scary. Um, Particularly, and I didn't know it at the time, obviously, but given that my last weekend on the job was, uh, or the weekend that my wife got pregnant. So yeah, I was unemployed going into that. But God had a plan. And I, I felt strongly that he was drawing me here to this place. 
I felt like the vision that he was raising up here and, and the heart that, that he had in Greg was, I felt drawn to that. And maybe this was where God wanted me to, to start the next chapter of my life. And it was a big maybe. But a, you'll find, certainly following God, a lot of stuff is big maybes. You think this is what the next step is. And you step out in faith, trusting that he won't let you fall. And then you see him do amazing things. So my first weekend on the job, uh, I'm, I'm up here leading the band. And I'm, uh, I'm playing a borrowed guitar because I, I didn't actually have um, one of my own at that stage. And, um, and I'm just I'm hoping that it goes well and I don't fail and I'm miserable. And Greg's thinking, what did I get this Muppet for? But um, it went well, actually. Well, my first weekend was okay, and Greg kind of looked at me like, yeah, you're, you're doing okay. And I'm, and I'm also thinking, is this really where you want me? Because this is very different to where I came from. And, um, and it was just bizarre. There was a guest speaker the first, uh, my first weekend on the job. A guest speaker from the States was here, and this guy's a, a, an international speaker and, and musician, um, world-renowned worship leader. And he played a few songs, and he, and he spoke a bit, and he spoke some awesome stuff about generosity. And uh, his final, um, I guess, illustration of, of what he meant by generosity is at the end of the service, he, um, he calls me over and he's like, um, mate, um, God wants you to have this. And he hands me a $10,000 guitar. Yes, guitars can cost $10,000. And he gave me that one. It was his baby. And he said, I don't want you to have this. Because I'm like, oh, oh man, thank you, you're awesome. And he goes, yeah, no, I'm not awesome. I don't want you to have this. I'm not giving this to you because I like you or I think you, you deserve it. I'm giving this to you because I know that this is what God wants. God wants you to have this guitar. And he wants me to tell you this. This is where he wants you. And he will give you everything you need to do the job he has called you to. He didn't know me. He didn't know my story. But he heard the voice of God and he acted in obedience and gave me his baby. He actually has children, but that's what he calls his baby. I get that now. (laughs) I don't think my wife's going to hear this message. I can say that. That's pretty lucky, right? Man, if you want to get given cool stuff, maybe you should start coming here. Of course, that isn't lucky. What that is, is looked after. And I am looked after. And whether it's in this job here or in other areas of my life, I am looked after because I've put myself in the hands of a loving God. And he takes care of his people. The more we trust ourselves to him, the more he can do in our lives. And this stuff, this kind of thing is happening to God's people every day. And we saw hands raised when we asked about supernatural things being happening in people's lives. The supernatural is not that super when you're with God. Because the supernatural is his natural. It's, it's how he rolls, it's how he acts, it's his normal And the more time you spend with him, the more it becomes your normal. And people have no idea what is available to them until they encounter a loving, powerful God and see what he wants to do in their lives. The the stuff that I've shared, it is in the natural completely impossible. These these kind of things just don't happen. 
But in God's power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that is at work in the world today, these things are possible. Even the power to conquer death. And this is a full-on one. This is for real. This is the story from the life of a Zambian farmer called Angus Buchan. Let's watch this one. It's a dramatization of a true story of a Zambian farmer who were uh, who encountered God in some powerful ways, and that story was confirmed by an entire village. Check out Faith Like Potatoes, just story after story of a man who committed himself to God and let God do amazing things in his life. You might be tempted to dismiss that just because it looks like a movie, but it really did happen. And it happens more than you can actually imagine. And I'm sure lots of people can't really imagine resurrections happening. I, I didn't. Even as a young Christian, I thought that was just stories from the Bible and that we're pretty much done with that kind of thing now. Turns out apparently we're not. And the more I think about it, the more I want to live in a world where God raises people from the dead. People whose time is not over like that young woman. I want to live in a world where God can and still does do anything. I want to see that kind of thing in my life. It might seem unbelievable, and without faith it is. But how is that possible? That kind of thing is possible 
when you have faith in a loving and powerful God. Loving, and so he wants to do amazing healings and resurrections and give us good things. And powerful, so that he can actually do what he wants to do. And this is the God that I have come to know. My God is both loving and powerful. But I know a lot of people who struggle with that concept. That God can be loving and powerful. And it's an age-old question, the question of evil. If God is truly loving and good, and also is all-powerful, well then how can evil exist? How can there be so much suffering in the world? Suffering in my life? Because surely God could fix it if he was good and wanted to. And maybe you here tonight have thought the same thing and, and think it's still, it just doesn't add up. And I do believe in a God who is all-powerful and could cleanse the world of all evil. But the problem when you play that out is God fixing everything the way I want him to right now has some interesting consequences for me. Because God could take all the evil people off the planet just leaving the people who would never cause harm to anyone else. That would be good, eh? Get rid of everyone who does harm to other people. And... Uh, Yeah, just get rid of them. Or he could take from us all the ability to make choices which harm others. That'd be another way to do it, right? Yeah, see, the problem with that is if God's going to get rid of all the people who do harm to others and make this place a place of, of, uh, of corruption and of suffering, that screws me because, um, I'm not actually that good. Um, I'm not sure what you thought, uh, you need to be to be a pastor at the rock, but apparently they let in anyone. <laughs> Test yourself on this. Have you ever hurt anyone else and caused suffering in their life? Are you probably going to do that again at some stage? I know that, I don't know what the net result is so far in my life, but I know there are so many times when I have caused pain and hurt in a number of people's lives. I've been the direct cause of that. Willfully chosen myself over them so that they are hurt. I have done it in some instances maliciously. I have certainly done it uh, with a lot of deceit in my life. And there are so many things I've done that I am ashamed of. And I'll probably do some of those again, if I'm honest. So when God gets rid of all the evil people, he gets rid of me. I don't want to think about where I might end up. The question for you is, do you think you'll make the cut? Are you good enough? Will you make the cut when God gets rid of all the rubbish people? Because I'm pretty sure Pastor Clay's screwed. All right? Warren's pretty happy with that. <laughs> Everyone's laughing at me. Great. Okay, so that, that's option one. I don't like that option. Num- option two, God, um, God put some kind of governor on our brain, some kind of restrictor, which prevents us making the decisions that would harm someone else. All the really selfish decisions, the, the corrupt decisions, uh, the deceitful decisions, all, all those courses of action would, would be cut off from us. You know what you, what you are now? You're a robot. That's right. 
You're programmed to only act in a certain way, and now you can't actually make choices. You can only just do what you're programmed to do like a machine. Do you actually want that? It would make it easier, wouldn't it? But that's a life without choices. And it turns out that is not what God wants for you. It turns out that God wants people who would choose him, who would choose life, that would choose good. And it's better to have that than a program, a computer program that just does what it's told to do. And I get that. I get that now that I'm a, well, I'm a husband and a dad. Because I tell my kids to do stuff. And I tell my wife to do stuff and that doesn't get me very far. After I get up off the floor. Um, I tell my kids to do stuff and, and when they do it, that's, that's good. But when they choose to do amazing things, that blows me away and it makes me so proud. When they come and just of their own volition give me a hug and kiss me and tell me that they love me. And when I hear them talking to their friends at kindy, or at mainly music, and they say, my dad's the strongest. I'm like, yes, that's true. And you know it. You've realized this. But I'm just so proud that, that that's the way they think about me. And it's not because I've told them. It's because they have just, it's just their reality. And they make these choices. I wouldn't want my children to be just the program that I've written and they can only act in that way because their love and their actions then mean nothing to me. So God doesn't want that for his children either. And so he created us with a free will so that we could choose good over evil, right over wrong, and so that we would choose him. That was his plan. We would choose to love him and know him as our friend and our God. So God, does he just leave us to wallow in this broken, corrupt world? Does it leave us to the consequences of our free will? No. He doesn't leave us at all. He hasn't abandoned us to this rock. He is here with us now. He sees everything. He hears everything. And if you think you're gutted with the, the brokenness, the suffering in this world, you've got nothing on what God feels. Because he sees and experiences everything. And it breaks his heart that we, his children, would do this to each other and to him. But he doesn't leave us to that. He is here with us. And he can be so with us. And this is where our free will kicks in. We have the choice to navigate this world on our own and make the best of it that we can and try to carve some kind of life out of it and then we'll see what happens at the end of it all. We can make that choice. Or we can choose to walk that with him and allow him to navigate us through it, to guide us through, to protect us, to provide for us, to watch over us. Because that's what it means to be in a relationship with this God. 
He truly walks it through with you and watches over you. And the plan that he has for you to get through this world is amazing. The best possible plan for you. He's seen it all. He's worked it all out. He knows what's coming. And so if you take his hand, he can guide you through it. And this isn't just about surviving your life on earth. The life that he has for you isn't about survival. It's about making a significant eternal difference. He's got a plan for you to change this world, to be a hero in it, to be a legend, not to be the bit part that gets killed off early on. He wants to do something amazing through you. The life he has for you is a life of significance, not just of survival. But you've got to choose that. Turns out, God, as powerful as he is, doesn't force himself on anyone. He doesn't force his will on you. He makes his will available to you and gives you the choice to follow if you want. If you want him, if you want what he has for you. And so it's our call. It's what free will is. So he doesn't leave us here, but he has made some very special promises to us as children. God has promised us that he will never leave us or forsake us. He has promised us that, he will, that we will be rewarded in glory for what we go through now. He has promised that he will work for our good, whatever our circumstances. And he does so much more than just empathize with us. God is there in person and in power to aid us in very tangible ways. And the stories that I've shared from my own life and we've seen from other lives as well, these stories are just some tiny examples of what he can and does do. Because the reality is, I miss the vast majority of the things that God does in my life. I'm just, I just don't even see it. Sometimes I get a sense after the fact, I think that was God, or I know in my spirit that was God who looked after me there. Or I find out from someone else that God worked in their life to do something for me. And God was always looking after me. The supernatural is always there. God's hand is always there. What I'm finding, the more I get to know him, is the more I recognize and see his hand. And tonight God is calling to you, and he wants you to know him. And he wants you to know his power. And if you already know him, he wants you to know him more. And he wants you to know his power more. Because there is always more with him. We cannot sap everything that he's got. We cannot appreciate or imagine what he has got for us. There is always more. There is always deeper with him. There is always more power. There is always more blessing. There is more. And just when we think that we've got him and we've got as, as much as we can take, then there's more. And so this life for us really is limitless because the God in our life is without limit. And he wants you to know that. If you're satisfied with your lot right now, he wants you to know there is a life so much bigger and better than what you have now. The more of him you let yourself grab. And we can take another step into that tonight. A relationship with the God who created you, who died for you, and who has the power to save and transform you. This is the Jesus that is in my life. This is the Jesus that I want to introduce to you. 
And this guy, I'm not talking about a, a moral teacher 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about someone incredibly real and alive in my life right now. He has turned my life around completely. He has saved me from a very dismal future. And he has saved me for something very special. My life is now full of hope. It's full of purpose. It's full of joy. And I look forward to what I have in store for me and I feel very, very good about it. He is the creator of the universe. He has risen from the dead and he is the only hope that we have in this life or in the eternal one to come. And he loves you more than you can imagine. There are two things that I want us to reach for this evening. One is faith and the other is more faith. And faith is believing when we don't understand it all, when we don't quite see it. And I'll never forget just this image in my head of it's, uh, Indiana Jones, and I think the Last Crusade, and he's tracing the Holy Grail, this, this cup that will save uh, his dad, and, and it calls him to this, this huge chasm. And uh, his notebook says that there's some kind of bridge on this chasm, but he can't see it. But he has to ha- just have to have faith that even though he can't see it, it is there. And it's this walk of faith. And so he looks out and just sees this bottomless pit. And then he just takes a step in faith. And there's some, uh, some optical illusion that prevents him seeing this narrow bridge of rock that goes across. And he ends up stepping right onto it and walks across. And that's faith because he stepped out even though he couldn't see and he believed that it was there. And that's how our journey starts with God. We step out into something even though we can't always see it or we don't understand it. And following him, there are little bits like that all the time. We step into something even though we don't have the big picture because we trust that he's the real deal, and we trust that he has our best in mind. And the more we trust in him, the more amazing things we see. And this is what he has for us. So whatever kind of faith you are living in now, there is more that you could have, more that he wants to give you and show you, if you can step out in faith. And this is certainly true for me. And so tonight, I just want to try to trust in him for more and ask God, to show me more and do more in me and to stretch my faith beyond what it is now because I want everything that he has for me. So if you have never given yourself over to God tonight and never stepped out into a relationship with him, that just seems too crazy for you, tonight you can take that step of faith. And if you do have a relationship with him but you want more, we can take a deeper step into a deeper relationship with him. A scary step. This stuff really matters, people. Life will still go on after the World Cup. Whatever happens. What you've got to ask yourself is, what life will you go on to? What eternal life will you go on to? Because life without God is a pale shadow of what it is with him. And an afterlife without God is not something I even want to imagine. The choice is ours.
the life and the eternity, the eternity that he has for us or the future that he died to save us from. Let's exercise some of that free will tonight and make a choice that will actually make a difference. That's all I really wanted to share tonight, the song that God put on my heart and um, stepping into more faith is something that I, I want to be doing every day. And so this is just a moment now that we can choose to step into a bit more. Uh, we're going to wrap up in a minute and uh, have something to wait, but um, there's something of more significance we can do first. And what I want to do is just give you an opportunity to respond to that. And um, this is between you and God. But uh, I want to help you do something, and that is connect with the living God. And if, if you have never made a decision for for faith, if you have never stepped out into a relationship with God, uh, I want to give you the opportunity and ask you to, to make that step tonight. Um, or if you are very far from God, and you, uh, you once had a connection, but that is somehow uh, distant now, and you want to reconnect with him and reconcile, I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. So um, I'm going to just ask everyone, if, if you could just bow your heads to give people just a minute to make a decision for themselves. And, and that if, if I've just described to you that you want to step out into a relationship with God right now or reconnect with him in this space right now, I wonder if you'd put up your hand for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We're just going to pray for these uh, these people together, and I'm going to, I'm going to say some words. And, um, and if you agree with these words, I want you just to say Amen. And I'm going to I'm going to ask you to do something um, afterwards. Once we've closed this meeting now, I wonder if you would um, join a couple of friends of mine just to talk through some of the things that are happening in, in your life right now and talk through this prayer. But Father God, I just want to lift up to you right now my brothers and sisters who want you, who want you in their life, who want to experience, Lord, your love, your power, your forgiveness, your grace in their life. Lord, they reach out to you now, Lord, in Jesus' name, and ask you to save, to heal, and to restore. And I pray, Lord, each of those would have a touch with your Holy Spirit now, your essence, your true spirit, and that you confirm in them, Lord, that you are their Lord, their Father, and you love them, and I'd have experience of your love and grace and forgiveness right now. I pray, Lord, your power would come alive in them, and I'd step into their new life right now, Lord. We confess our sin, our brokenness, and that we need you. Lord, that you would deal to the corruption in our heart, restoring us and making us new. We thank you, Lord, that you have made this possible by your death on the cross, and we claim your sacrifice for ourselves. We say thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.